Our Bible reading is Psalm 42, and that's on page 567. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the, by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Amen. Um, oh, it's so lovely to be with you this morning. Um, for how lovely was the weekend away? Um, I'm, I know some of you weren't there, and um, I won't reference it too much, but it was really, really good. Um, I tried to convince Phil to get in my suitcase, but small as he is, Rosie, he didn't fit, so he couldn't come. Um, uh, Eva's actually started referring to him as our Phil at home, which is a bit weird, but also lovely. Um, but I've been completely inspired by his use of art and image in his talk. So I'm going to be channeling my inner Phil this morning, because that's all I have left of him. But I have got a picture of him, just so, just so we could remember his twinkly eyes. I might get that. It's a bit like a eulogy. It's not. He's not dead. Don't worry. Um, I thought it'd be really nice to get them a T-shirt. So if you want one, Chris, let me know. I put an order in. There he is. So lovely, oh Phil. Um, but as Jamie said, we're starting a mini-series uh, on a, a series called Thirsty, reflecting on the kinds of ways in which it's right for us to long for more of God, uh, to long for justice, and to explore the ways in which we seek to satisfy our thirst, a term that we might be familiar with that really captures this sense of deep, soul-level dissatisfaction is holy discontent. And this speaks to a restlessness within us that motivates us to move towards him, uh, to join with God in the things that stir his heart, and that persuade us to push into him, compelling us to seek him. Um, oh, not yet. 
not John Piper quite yet. Uh, Gerald May, uh, in a book called The Dark Night of the Soul, describes how our true desire for love can so often become buried with our own sense that we can achieve our own satisfaction. Uh, And eventually the cracks begin to show. And she says, we generally don't like what we see there because it forces us to admit that we are fundamentally dissatisfied we begin to see that the results of our own efforts are not quite as perfect as we'd hoped for. Perhaps the career that we worked so hard to achieve is not as rewarding as we'd hoped for. Maybe the love relationship that we thought would complete us has become tired and afraid. And the things that gave us pleasure, perhaps in the past, may now seem empty. Such glimpses occur in unique ways for each person, but they always happen. Ultimately, our hearts are restless for God. And this morning, I just want to explore the holy discontent we can experience and our longing and need for intimacy with Jesus. Thirsting for closeness for Jesus is something that we're encouraged to cultivate. Jesus tells us that if we're thirsty to come to him in John 7 verse 37, he says, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. The water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life in John 4 verse 14. Jesus takes our thirst really, really seriously. And the way that the psalm describes his need for God in Psalm 42 in his turmoil and discouragement invites us, I think this morning, to consider our own present thirst for God. Not because we're in depths of painful anguish and emotional overwhelm, some of us might be, Um, But because thirsting for relief from our present circumstances is good and it's right, but thirsting for God, who offers the water of life, is the only thing that will satisfy the ache in our souls. And I am going to quote John Piper again, which is surprising, I know, but he says it really beautifully. When we think and feel with God in the Psalms, this is the main result. We come to love God, we want to see God, to be with God, and to be satisfied in admiring and exalting God. And I guess that's my hope for all of us this morning, is that we would feel a stirring for a greater thirst for him. I love the Psalms. Um, I think we probably all do. They wrap words around our big feelings. They give us permission to be real. It can be difficult to share the reality of our lives with each other, and we may choose instead to move towards the positive and avoid the pain of the reality of our lives. Walter Brueggemann comments on the way that our worship can sometimes do the same, and he says, It's a curious fact that the church has, by and large, continued to sing songs of orientation in a world increasingly experienced in disorientation. In Psalm 42, we uh, come face to face with a sorrowful saint, a bit like this beautiful image by um, an artist called Scott Erickson. And his thirst for the Lord in this psalm is palpable. Perhaps you are also feeling sorrow, fear, discouragement, and you're tempted to join in with the psalmist and ask, why have you forgotten me? Your soul is downcast and your tears have been your food day and night. 
I read a brilliant book uh, called Luminous Dark by um, Alan Emerson. He's the guy who heads up uh, 24-7 prayer in Northern Ireland. And he wrote this book about the loss of his first wife, uh, who was just 23. And it's really worth a read for anyone who's experienced grief. Um, It's really powerful. He describes the relentless early days of loss. I can still remember the feeling of tears running out of my eyes and into my ears. Phil, his uncle, had warned me of the tears in your ears night sessions. I wonder if some of us are familiar with those kinds of nights. And I'm learning to believe that the liminal space of sorrow holds a gift, I think, like the treasures of darkness described in Isaiah 45, verse 3. And it's one of the places we can experience an unrelenting thirst for God. We are emptied out, turned upside down. Uh, Barbara Brown Taylor um, puts it like this. I have learned things in that dark that I could never have learned in the light. Things that, that have saved my life over and over again. So that there is only really one logical conclusion. I need darkness as much as I need light. Now, I'm not saying we should go hunting out suffering just to increase our thirst for Jesus. I know some of you haven't had to look that far. It has found you. Um, I am saying that the experience in the valleys of our lives, that our ache for him is intensified. I don't believe that God wills the suffering we face, but I do believe that he can use our pain to form us to strengthen our trust in him and to increase our longing for intimacy with him. He can transform the wastelands of our lives into beautiful gardens where the soil of suffering is made fertile with our honest tears. And it reminds me of the verse um, in Isaiah, let me find the page, 51 verse 3. Um, He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. His promise to pour water on a thirsty land should encourage us that in the seasons of our life where he seems lacking, when we are most thirsty for his comfort, he does not leave us wanting and is always at work. It doesn't always feel like that, but we are encouraged to believe that it's true. So the psalmist leans into, not away from, his urgent felt need for God. And he preaches to his soul. He reminds himself of the character of the one that he sings to. Um, I found myself Googling whether you can get dehydrated from crying. You actually can. You have to cry quite a lot for that to happen. But um, I just thought how interesting that our bodies have been created to respond to sadness in a way that also causes it to thirst. Um, I've come to believe that the world is split into two people. Those who really enjoy going on long walks with me and those who don't. I have um, a certain kind of laissez-faire attitude to taking a hike, uh, which some people really seem to struggle with. Um, I usually have a vague plan of where we're going, um, but the thing is I don't often come very well prepared, as in I never bring enough water. Um, I just can't be bothered to lug it around. Uh, So some of the walks that I have been leading um, have become quite dicey. Um, We've been in the middle of nowhere. uh, We've been dangerously low in water, uh, i.e. dying of thirst, and uh, to the point where you you start beginning to see mirages on the top of Ilkley Moor because you've got no more water left. Um, 
In our walk with the Lord, there are countless times, I think, when we're faced with situations that feel confusing, uh, leave us feeling disorientated and lost. And it's unclear what God is up to, and all our previously trusted compass points no longer serve us. I never take a compass. Maybe I should get one. Um, Psalm 42 expresses a cry for help in times of trouble. Verse 7, deep caused to deep in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. When we find ourselves adrift, far from where we're hoping to be, when we've lost our footing, it causes us to long for safety and direction and rescue. In the unknowable chaos of life, in the deep waters described in this verse, we can encounter the deep love, the deep presence and intimacy of God. Um, The Passion Translation reads, My deep need calls out to the deep kindness of your love. There is something of the depth of his love that we can't experience outside of seasons of deep need. Um, With access to water, do you know how long you can survive for without eating any food? Yeah. One, One to two months. Is that bonkers? Um, Any idea how long you can go without water? Three days. Again, I am curious about and love the fact that we actually embody this thirst for God in our biological need for water. And also, by the way, no one has actually died going on a walk with me. So if you do want to go on a walk with me, do let me know. We've always found a pub and it makes tap water taste delicious. Um, I'm always trying to drink more water. Uh, The allure of dewy skin, a longer life, and translucent wee is actually really appealing. However, I just can't quite get past the two glasses point. Part of the reason being that I just don't feel that thirsty very often, which is why I don't take loads of water on a walk, because I don't need it. Uh, I have to force myself to drink because I know it's good for me. And it might be that in your walk with God, you're just not feeling that thirsty. You are experiencing uh, an emptiness in prayer. Um, The familiar rhythms and spending time with God have become too familiar. And the motivation you once had to sit with him in the mornings has kind of dried up. Or it might be that uh, you just don't actually realize how thirsty you are and have forgotten how good living water tastes. Or perhaps... We don't think we deserve to have a drink. It makes me think about the encounter uh, between the woman and uh, the Samaritan woman and Jesus uh, at the well and the tender request of Jesus for a cup of water. Jesus was breaking down some serious barriers by showing kindness to this ostracized, isolated woman, but mostly he was welcoming her into intimacy with him. And it takes a time to realize the offer he makes her. In verse 10, Jesus says to her, gently, I think, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, the story, I don't think, adds in the detail that she herself took a cup to satisfy her thirst, but I like to think that she did. And so does Kenneth Tanner, who's an American theologian, and he writes... She drinks a water that does not pass through us, that never evaporates. 
a water that remains, that stays with and in us all, in all the dark and hard places, even in death, and that keeps us for and through eternity. Is that beautiful? And who wouldn't want to drink a cup of that? Before I end, um, just out of curiosity, uh, hands up if you'd say you're a glass half full kind of person. Oh dear. Good. Okay. It must be really nice for you, glass half full kind of people. Uh, put your hand up if you find yourself more of a, oh, I don't know, realistic glass half empty kind of person. And that's because it is, Helen, isn't it? Um, Regardless of how full your glass is feeling this morning, the truth, the truth remains, we are created for intimacy with Jesus and thirst for it, even if we don't realize that's what we're thirsting for. Sarah Clarkson writes about this inherent ache for God in her book, The Beautiful Truth. She says, it's God we want. And the kind of hunger we bear is like a passion and tenderness. We want to eat and touch God, drink and breathe him. We want to hold him close and breathe in his loveliness. And I think he feels much the same about us. This beautiful image I found, a Charlie Mackesy did. This is beautiful. So if this is true, and I think it is, um, I would just invite you to allow your thirst for him to cause you, like the psalmist in Psalm 42, to pour out your soul to him, to put your hope in him, to praise him, and to remember that the water he offers promises to satisfy your soul. I'm going to pray for us before we move into a time of worship. God, thank you for the reminder and encouragement and invitation to thirst for more of you. Um, You're kind, regardless of uh, our thirst levels, and you desire to quench our thirst with yourself, with your love, with your presence. You long to uh, just wrap us up in your arms to hold us to breathe in our loveliness because we are all lovely to you and I pray as we worship that um, that stirring of need for you simply because of who you are not because of what we want from you would uh, just begin to kind of bubble up to well up in us that we would be a people who are compelled to move towards you, to seek you, uh, to speak of our thirst and need for you. So would you come, Holy Spirit, as we stand, sit, kneel, lie down, whatever we feel we need to do um, to seek you, to be before you, and to behold you. Amen. Amen.